The following sermon was preached at Veritas Church in Magnolia, Texas. For more information about Veritas Church, please visit veritasdisciple.org. What's up, church? Good morning. Happy Father's Day, all the dads who are out there today. Welcome. Uh, we welcome you here to be able to worship God, our Heavenly Father. And uh, dads, you are an expression of God's love and God's care and an extension of God's nature in which he is the, the father of all. He's the one who gives us this perfect example of what it looks like to love rightly, to serve, to be strong, to be constantly working. And he is working in the earth constantly towards an end in Jesus Christ, our Savior. So uh, welcome here. We, we thank you for being here. It's a, it's a blessing always to gather and worship and Today we continue in our teaching series through the book of Nehemiah. We're today going to actually lead up to the culmination of what this whole first five chapters and now into the six chapters, this building, this constructing of the wall where Nehemiah all the way back in chapter one had this burden from the Lord and God gave him a burden to go and to prepare uh, uh, this wall to reestablish the identity of God's people and to reestablish the covenant worshiping community of God there in Jerusalem. And, and Nehemiah had this burden. We, we read about that. In chapter 2, he begins to, to come up against opposition. And what we, I want us to look at today in this text is that perseverance um, is what we see in the life of Nehemiah. Through his leadership, the main characteristic that God gives in Nehemiah is, a, is an ability and a burden to persevere for the work of the Lord. And that's such a huge thing for us as believers, as followers of Jesus. We've been called to persevere. This life that he's given us is a life that is called to run and obedience and perseverance. And we've been empowered to persevere, just like Nehemiah. And we're going to see, as we've already begun to see some of that, we're going to walk through this text and see where perseverance empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, delivers Nehemiah and the people of God up to today. And so we want you to, to enjoy. We want you to put your thinking caps on. I want you to, to read along with me. I want you to think about what God has called you, church, to persevere through individually as followers of Jesus. And then what does that look like collectively for us as we endeavor to work, be a worshiping community, to be a faithful community on mission, and to be about Jesus' mission in the earth. And so let's dive in today. We're going to be in chapter 6. Uh, if you have your Bibles, your smartphones, your devices, starting in verse 15, I encourage you to always bring a Bible. Have it on your person where you can reach over to it. And so you can follow along and make sure I'm not making things up, right? Because I, I can go off track pretty easily. I've got synapses you know, firing off in my brain at light speed, so... Uh, all kinds of thoughts shoot through this, this mind. And I want to make sure that I'm saying, what's, I'm saying what's accurate and what the Lord wants us to hear. So verse 15, we're going to journey through the narrative all the way down through verse 4 of chapter 7. So let's jump in and let's read as we see a crescendo of Nehemiah's leadership in the, the completion of this recon project. Starting verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul. In 52 days. Wow. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly on their own esteem. 
for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Erah, and his son Jehonahan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Now every dad, this was a lesson for you on Father's Day, teach your children how to pronounce these names when you go home today. Because mine didn't do it, and obviously I butchered it. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard post and some in front of their own homes. Verse 4, the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few and no houses had been rebuilt. Let's pray. Lord, you give us your word and you guide us. It is light unto our path. Father, you lead us, you reveal yourself to us through your word, and Father, you shape us as a people by your word, and we yield our lives over and submit ourselves as followers of Jesus to the one true God, the truth of your word spoken that is without error, that is for our good, and is able to come and divide bone, marrow, to reach in, to wash us, to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, and today we submit to your word, we ask that you teach us. Holy Spirit, come, illuminate Christ, illuminate truth. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that preaching is possible. And so I confess today that I need your help. Holy Spirit of God, move through me. Speak to these people whom are yours, God, and, and awaken those who don't know you to new life in Christ today. Let them see Jesus as rightly who he is, high and lifted up as king over all the universe. God, and let us see how we today are called to persevere as Nehemiah. Let us see, God, how you have called us to this place of victory as we sang, God. We love you. Speak, for we need to hear you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in verse 15 that the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in a miraculous 52 Days. It's record time. 52 days, the wall built completely around Jerusalem. Jay talked last week about the greatness of the wall and the width and the, kind of the architectural structure by which this wall was built. This wasn't done with modern day technology. It's crazy to think about it. I've been driving down Cherry Street for six months hoping they could finish like a hundred yard stretch of road. Just to tell you what that looks like when the hand of God is upon you. When God gives you a burden for something, God enables and calls you and empowers you to complete the burden by which he has called you to, Christian. Nehemiah is the perfect example. Nehemiah's leadership, Nehemiah's obedience to God, to persevere, to not give up, to, to push through the opposition time and time again. We've been reading it throughout the narrative. 
And this task was no easy task. And you build in all of these challenges from without and externally in these other nations and Tobias and Ballad and, and Geshem and these people coming from within also that were being persuaded and had you know, created oaths and loyalty to some of these other leaders. And so you see what in the natural sense would be impossible. It seems to be impossible that one man could come and deliver and do what God had recalled to do in amongst his people for the glory of his name and for the good of his people to reestablish them, to bring them back together as a, as a type and shadow of what Jesus would come and do for us. Coming as the man, God, to save and to unite and to renew God's purposes in all the earth. So these other nations saw it, right? It says here, look at verse 16. The enemies heard of it. They saw it with their eyes. And all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. That's a great place to be. To not trust in yourself, Christian. That's how we come to Christ. When we look around and we see how wretched we are as sinners before a holy God, when we see God's perfect standard illuminated to us in the person of Jesus Christ, we should fall in our own esteem. We should fall and recognize our need for a Savior. And these people here, they didn't see their need, but they recognized the hand of God that was upon Nehemiah to accomplish his work and to will the people of God to work hard that their hands would be about the work without stopping and to accomplish all that God had set out to accomplish. Verse 16, they said, for they perceived, he said, that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Wow. Powerful. The help of our God. That's what we have, Christian. That's what we've been given. The Holy Spirit of God has come and indwelled you to empower each and every one of us to accomplish the work that God has given us here on the earth. And we do that through perseverance. We've been called into a life of perseverance, and God empowers us to persevere so that he can accomplish his mission in the earth. God was with them, the Holy Spirit of God, sustaining and strengthening their hands in verse 9 of chapter 6 when Nehemiah prayed. He said, oh God, strengthen my hands. And it was clear that's what God did. God answered his prayers, and, and God desires to answer our prayers too, church, and we see this picture of what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to persevere. Nehemiah was given a burden to establish this identity. He, he then was to go, and, and he knew what this work was, and he, and he was granted great favor by God with the king, and he was went about doing this work, and he was able to focus, as Jay talked about last week, we have to be able to know the work that we've been called to, and that this work is great, so that we can focus on that work. If you don't know the work you've been called to, how are you able to judge, or even put, take a, a snapshot of how you're doing and going about that work? How are you able to grade yourself? What are we able to look at and say, look back and go, man, I've been doing this for a year what, what is the goal of what I'm doing as an individual? How am I obeying Jesus in this area of my life, right? 
So we have to be able to focus in on that work. And so we're called to persevere. Nehemiah persevered. He was empowered to persevere. And his leadership embodied perseverance. So let's consider what it looks like for us Christians to persevere today. When we surrender to Jesus, we enter into a life of faith-enabled perseverance. Faith-enabled perseverance. This life is not easy. We live in a world that's full of fallen men and women, full of selfishness, full of hatred, full of murderous hearts, full of evil wickedness in this world. And Paul told uh, the Corinthian church, and I tell us today, such were some of you. That line of hope that we've received, that we once were all these things opposed to God under his wrath, but delivered up now. Children, sons of God, persevering in the truth of God, knowing that the victory's already won, and, and we have this great doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, in which we hold to, and, we, and I uh, aspire to understand and to, and to put into practice and to, and to see people come to believe and trust that who Jesus saves and calls, he empowers to persevere. And that's what the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints really does for us. It, it gives language to this hope that we have. This hope, this ultimate reality that's already ours, it helps build language around that and tells the Christian that our hope for persevering is in Jesus. That's what Nehemiah was able to do, is to find hope in what God had called him to do and to persevere by the power of the Holy Spirit that was at work in him. Constantly he was praying. Constantly he was asking God to enable him to do what he'd called him to do. Now, if you're like me, you've experienced persecution in this life, and you've experienced setback, and you've experienced opposition, and you've experienced failure, and you've experienced things that didn't go as you had planned them to go, right? And when God, personally, when God gives you a burden to you or calls you to a specific thing or a specific work or a specific field of mission, as all of us have been called to be on mission wherever we're at, that's our field that God's called us to persevere in. That's where we're to persevere and that know that the hand of God is upon us. But where in my own personal journey, it's been a long road. God's called me when I was 18 years old. I'm 39 next month in August. That's 20 years. In man's eyes, it's slow, right? And it looks like, what? what's taking this dude so long to, to obey the Lord, to do what God's called him to do, Right? And there's this perseverance that God's given me, which has been rooted in the hope that I have in Christ. The hope that Christ persevered to the end. And I too will persevere. God will form me into the image of Jesus. He will use me when his fullness of his time comes in the earth. I will walk in. And so, not that I wasn't fully walking in obedience along the way, but God is conforming us to the image of Jesus as we journey, as we persevere, right? We have to persevere. It's the discipline of the Lord that shapes us and has us consider what has God burdened us and called us into as Christians. What has he called you into individually? What has he called you into globally in the kingdom of God? And what is the perseverance that you individually are called? How does that play out in God's great rescue mission. So we're saved. We will persevere to the end. 
We will not forfeit the salvation that Christ delivered up to us. Those who are truly saved, you will persevere. You will want to give up. You will want to tap out. There will be times when you can't trace God. There will be times when you can't see what God is doing in your life. We have this great hope. This hope that the hand of our God is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us and that Christ is our model. Christ was delivered up to death. He persevered until the end so that he could accomplish what God had ordained for him to accomplish. He had to persevere. Just think if he would have just checked out, right? If he, in the garden, under so much stress, under so much pressure, had checked out and tapped out, and I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, Father. There's no hope for us. But our hope is rooted in Jesus' victory at the cross. Our hope is rooted in a future that we already know exists for us, that's already waiting. It's victorious. It's finished. The scoreboard is lit up, and we win. We win, Christian. Our hope is rooted in knowing we win. And yeah, we may, we may make some fumbling and folly plays along the way. and We may get even sent back 20 yards for personal vows. We may shoot a basket at the wrong goal. We may do all those things, but we win. And that encourages us not to give up, but to persevere. And Nehemiah knew that his faithfulness was rooted in the, the power of God. His hope was rooted in what God had placed upon him, had shown him and called him to do, that he was empowered to obey and to do all that God commanded, just as we are. So Christian, following Jesus is a lifelong exercise in perseverance. It's falling down, getting up. Falling down, getting up. Falling down and getting up. Not staying down. Get your head up. Stop looking at yourself when you fall. Look at Jesus, the author, the finisher, the one who completed our faith, gives us hope. Get your head up and look to Jesus. Look at Philip. Look at Stephen. As he looked to Jesus, he found great hope and perseverance. As they stoned him to death. We too have been empowered to persevere in this life. It's been made possible by God's Holy Spirit who he has gifted to us and who now lives in us. And so left to ourselves, we would throw in the towel. We would give up. We would straight up walk away from Jesus. Just like those in the scriptures. We too are Peter. But God does not leave us to ourselves. He did not leave Nehemiah to himself. He did not leave us to just be out flapping in the wind, thinking we can't do what he's called us to do. He has strengthened our hands with the Spirit, and he's called us to persevere, church. Nehemiah was called by God for a specific work, and he was empowered to complete it. And in verse 15, the wall was finished. The first part of that work was completed by the work of the Spirit of God through one man's obedience, one man's perseverance, one man's faithfulness to God. Be encouraged, church. Be encouraged that you too can persevere because Christ has already done it for you. You are united with Christ. You have all that Christ 
lived and died and now ascended for us. He has given it over to us as his children. We have that. We're empowered to complete that work to the end. And so we must know this mission. Personally, we must know it. We must be about it. The great commission and joining in on Jesus with this mission of making disciples of all nations. We have to persevere. We have to fight through slothfulness, disinterest, sinful thoughts, loving self more than loving others. All these things that I struggle with. And so as Christians, we're to be about God's work in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the world sees that, it will be clear to the world that God is with us. God is working through us. And our lives will be lived and shaped in such a way that it demands a gospel explanation. That we live in such a way that the only explanation is that we are people who've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now lives in us and empowers us to obey, empowers us to love others who are not like us, empowers us to speak on behalf of God truth and love and do all that he wants for us, hospitality, and bring people in to our homes. All that God requires of us, to persevere, not build up walls and not build up constructs to protect, but to trust in God and fear God alone. Because God has called us to this. So the wall's completed, but Nehemiah's work isn't all the way done. We're going to see that through the rest of the book. He now begins to move on to the rebuilding of the people through covenant renewal and marriage reform. And so he constantly is required to persevere against opposition from the enemy. Look at verse 19. Also, they spoke of his good, Tobiah, deeds in my presence and reported my words back to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. So Tobiah has done everything in his power to kind of stop Nehemiah to thwart this work. He's tried to stop the construction of the wall. And now he's going back to this intimidation strategy. He's trying to intimidate him by sending these letters to threaten him, to get him to stop doing what he knew he was called to do. The big fail here for Tobiah, and it's something we have to watch out and guard as followers of Jesus, is that Tobiah did not get a clue. He did not recognize that even though God was doing this work, he still continued to think that he could somehow thwart it. Look at what's happening. He, he was not repenting of his sin. He was not joining God's plan. He was persisting in opposition to it. May we not be delivered up to that place, O oh church, O oh Christian, to where we're resisting God's plan, to where we're opposing what God would have for us. But may we have a heart humble, repentant, trusting in Jesus, trusting that the Lord knows better than we do, because he does. He certainly does. And we know that. And the Spirit of God that lives within us affirms it, and we are able to say, Abba, Father, by the Spirit of God, and trust him as God, and to live for him as holy and righteous in this life, obedient by his grace in every area of our lives. And so Nehemiah continues to persevere. He turns his heart to the people now in chapter 7. This is a much greater challenge than the wall. <laughs> right? Dealing with the hearts of people 
That's a much greater challenge. That's why only God can save. That's why only God can regenerate and take a stony heart and make it beat as a heart of flesh for him. And so Nehemiah, given the task of pastoring these people and shepherding them back into a worshiping community that's obedient to God, now is given an impossible task in his own strength. And he begins to, to march towards that end. Look at verses 1 through 4 again. Let's read them in, verse, in uh, chapter 7. And when the wall had been built, and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, I guess that's a popular name right there, the derivative Hananiah and Hananias, two guys that right there in a row. The governor of the castle charged over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. That's a good place to be, to be a faithful and God-fearing man. Fathers in here today, that's what God requires of you. Be faithful to him. Fear him. Obey his commands. At the end of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man who ever lived, that was the crux of his message. Fear God and obey his commands. For us, it's a good place to be. When we fear God, when we are faithful, over little, God will give us much to be responsible for. God will give us families. God will give us opportunities in our neighborhood. God will give us opportunities to shepherd people in his church. God will give us opportunities on the job. But he requires that we fear him, which is the beginning of wisdom. Verse 3, I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open till the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors, appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard post and some in front of their homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few. No houses had been rebuilt. So we've got the wall, we've got a defined parameter around who God's people are. And now Nehemiah looks and he there's nobody there inhabiting it. There's no homes. There's no people there to reestablish the worship of God. Because that was the identity of God's people. Not a place. Not a particular location. It was that his people worshipped. Right? His people worshipped. That's why you and I, when we scatter throughout the week, we worship with our lives on a daily basis. And then we've been gifted this great gathered worship on Sundays where God has ordained this for us to come and gather with all those who have been grafted in and are adopted as sons and daughters and be a worshiping family communicating to the world that God is worthy of praise. God is worthy of all our life, all, all the honor. And we're to be about service and mission for him as we gather. Was that a clap or a spank? Okay, just, just wanted to make sure. I thought it was a spank, but I thought, it was, I thought a clap was appropriate. So let's look at what happens here in this particular four verses. Nehemiah turns his heart to the people. He has to, to now engage this great challenge of calling the people to repent. And I love how he brings in later in chapter 8 Ezra to, to kind of help do that. Um, and we'll get there. But Nehemiah begins prepping to establish who they are, their identity, so that they could establish who would be able to live in Jerusalem to join the people of God in Nehemiah's day. You had to separate from those nations around, right? You had to separate 
out and become a, a Jew. And there were ways to go about doing that. And for you today, if you're not a part of God's family, if you, if you haven't said yes to Jesus and given yourself over to trusting in Him for your salvation of your soul, you must recognize that your sins against your Creator God have delivered you up to a place of eternal death, which is the penalty for sin. It's a place where God's wrath dwells forever. His love is not there. You must repent of those sins and believe the gospel, Mark 1.15. The gospel is that because of Jesus and his life and his, his death on the cross and his resurrection, that if you repent and trust in Jesus, you will be saved from God's wrath. And you will be adopted into God's family. That's spectacular news. That's what we set our hope on. It's the hope that you and I need. It's the hope that your neighbor needs. It's the hope that the world needs. It's the hope that we all need. And it's what was delivered up to us in Christ Jesus. And it's what allows us, by the power of the Spirit, to persevere in the work that he's called us to do. The gospel is the fuel for us in Christian perseverance that doesn't, that doesn't allow us to forfeit up obedience to God, but continues to remind us that our victory is already won. It is finished. We now have to persevere. So Nehemiah was called to persevere and to lead. But how does that you know, reflect for us. What does that do for us today? That was a long time ago. Totally different world. Totally different culture. Same God. Same Holy Spirit. Same commands to persevere as Christians. To do and be about renewal. Be about rebuilding. To be about God's work in the earth. So how do we persevere Give a few exhortations and then we'll be done uh, from our brother Paul as he wrote to the churches in the New Testament. We have it recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to skip over there, the first two verses, our hope and motivation rooted in Jesus or the gospel, the message of Jesus, the hope that he has given us to share with the world the fragrance of Jesus to the world and the hope. Let's read it. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So there's some action there. Paul preached the gospel. He reminds the church of the gospel. We have received the gospel, and we're standing in the gospel. And we're being saved because we received it and believed it and are now standing in it. And look what he says. If you hold fast to the word, the gospel that I preached to you, you have received it. You are being saved because you're holding fast to it. Holding fast. Persevering. In Galatians, Paul says that we don't grow weary in doing good. Because 
in time, we will reap. It's the same message. We will reap. We will be delivered up over to that reality that we're hoping in. If we what? Persevere. Nehemiah persevered. Nehemiah was delivered up to a completion of the wall. And we'll see later on that God's people were reestablished through Nehemiah's perseverance. Church, Jesus did not endure all that he did at the cross merely to deliver us up to a place of failure, a place of fear, a place of defeat, and be orphaned as his children? No! We're on the team that wins. Jesus wins. Jesus, eternally victorious, delivers us up to a place of winning. He didn't do all that he did so that we would be defeated on the earth and to shrink back. When we're challenged? No, by the power of His Spirit, when we pray and when we seek His face and when we ask Him, fill me with your Spirit to overflowing God. He is faithful to strengthen us, to strengthen our hands that we will be about the work, plowing the field, sowing the seed, seeing Him reap the harvest and bring it to pass. And so He didn't deliver us up to be defeated, we already know that his kingdom will not be shaken and the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. The end of our story is already written. We already know the end. If you had to take a metaphysics class and you were like me and you signed up, you didn't know why you signed up for that class like I did in high school by accident. And I sat in the first day and I was like, I've never seen these people in, this, in my class before in my life in this high school. They obviously did not hang out in the athletics locker room because I didn't know who they were. And I looked around, and I'm like, this guy's teacher started talking, and, dude, I just glazed over. I'm like, can you draw the play, like, option, speed option right, and maybe I can help with that. So I'm like, I'm going to check out of this class and go take, you know, athletic director's aid, which was an awesome class. Got to work out every day for an hour. Got to do whatever we want to do, play two other, two other jocks in there. Learned a lot about teamwork and, you know, working out. But, but if, if, you, if you, you know, you have metaphysics, right? If you knew, if you were me, and you signed up for that class, and from day one I knew I had an A, no matter what I did. No matter what I did in that class, I already had an A. You think I would have checked out? You think I would have pulled out of that class? I wouldn't have. Because no matter how much I worked no matter how I failed, no matter what I didn't do accurately and what, how I was unable to process all that information through my you know, limitations, I had already passed the course. That's you. Church, that's us. This life's difficult. It's metaphysics at times. But we've already won. We persevere because we've already won in Christ. He has defeated sin and death and Satan, and we win. And we're on that team, and we will too be victorious. His church will be his witness in the earth. He will see to it. Wow. I love that because it's not rooted in something that I have to pull myself up and kind of muster up this fantastic strength on my own. It's rooted in Jesus and his faithfulness to empower me through his Holy Spirit. Look at verse 58 in the same chapter of 1 Corinthians 15.
Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, check, immovable, check, always abounding in the work of the Lord, check, knowing, having a deep-rooted knowledge and conviction that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. Persevering. That's how you're abounding in the work of the Lord. Perseverance, knowing that what we're doing, that this kingdom that we're about and this king that we're serving, that our labor is not in vain, but that God wins. God saving people in the earth, establishing his kingdom, a worshiping people, you're a part of that. You've been brought into that and sent out to continue advancing the kingdom through faithful proclamation, faithful uh, display of the gospel in your lives. And so we can be steadfast under trial knowing that we will receive the crown of life. Our brother James says, hold on, be steadfast in trial for when you do, you will receive the crown of life. As followers of Jesus, our hope is set before us and it's in his victorious life. He's our example. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we find our strength in. He's the one who has delivered us over to a place of obedience and hope and joy and service. And we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. This hope is a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. Because the winds around us are raging, the storms are raging around us, sometimes they're raging in our own homes. And we have this anchor that anchors our heart, that anchors our belief and our faith in Jesus because he's already done all that he said he would do. And we too, through faithful perseverance, through trusting in him, through leaning into Jesus and what he's called us to do, will receive the crown of life. Hope in a sure thing empowers you to persevere to the end. Hope in a sure thing empowers you to persevere to the end. For who hopes, right, for what he doesn't see? For what he sees, right? But we hope for what we don't see because we've been given the Spirit of God to see with our eyes of our heart. We've been enlightened to see what Jesus has called us into. So preach the gospel to yourself. You think you can do this on your own? Sorely mistaken. You, you'll get eat up and chewed out, spit out, chewed up, spit out, and left to yourself. You try to do this on your own. God loves us, called us into community, called us to faithfully be a part of his family and to serve one another in humility and with grace and long-suffering. But it's through this perseverance that we will be able to partake of the full benefits of final salvation in the end. The salvation's there waiting for us already, not yet completed, and it one day will be. It's already, we've already been justified and made righteous. 
but it will be realized and we'll participate in it if we persevere to the end. We will take on what Jesus died to give us fully in the end. Let's read Hebrews 12 and we'll close with this, the first 15 verses. I want your soul to be lifted. I want your soul to be filled up with this great hope today as we celebrate Jesus and we think about what he's invited us into and called us to. Starting in verse 1, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these who've gone before us, who've run the race, some have died, been sawn in two, others, you know, delivered thousands from death and saw many saved. Therefore, since we have all these witnesses listed in chapter 11, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. How do we run with endurance? Paul, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, listen up, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. <laughs> you see what he's saying? Perseverance produces character, right? And we endure in that. We become more like Jesus, just as Jesus endured. God is treating you as sons. Fathers, we know we discipline our kids. We, who wants a wild jackass of a kid, right? We don't, that's why we discipline them. Because we love them and we want them to follow after Jesus. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, wow, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Children, your parents discipline you for your good so that you might share in the holiness that God offers. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Never knew anyone who said, yeah, I want to take that spanking. Can you give me more spankings? The peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it is what is yielded, that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, church, Christian, and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed and strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Perseverance 
endurance that produces the character that, require, that God requires. The holiness and righteousness that God desires in us produces it through the discipline of the Lord. That we persevere, that we don't give up when we're disciplined. That we look to Jesus, the author, the finisher, who makes us his crown jewels an impossible thing. But God. So we will participate in the full benefits of our final salvation in the end. Stand firm and you will win in life. We endure, we persevere, remain steadfast by meditating on, looking toward, and clinging to Jesus, the Savior of our souls. Consider, church, seek after Pray to Jesus, study his word, be in community, repent of sins, and then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Be active in service to others. Worship with God's people regularly. Die to self. Go all in with Jesus. Enter into the discipline of the Lord, and the righteousness of God will be its fruit. The victory is ours. Jesus has won. It is finished. We run under that banner looking to Jesus. The one whom will embrace us at the end. He's waiting at the finish line for you. Come on. Persevere. We've been called to it. And we've been empowered by God to persevere. Just as Nehemiah. Nehemiah was called. He was empowered by God. And we saw today he persevered to the end of the wall being constructed. We will persevere, church. Jesus has not left us. And by the grace of God, through the work of his spirit that is alive in you today, you will see the end of your faith. The hope will be delivered up to the salvation of your soul. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your perseverance, your obedience on the cross. Unto death you died, Lord, for us. You suffered in our place that we might be called sons and daughters. That we were once enemies and haters of you, idolaters, worshipers of self. But you've delivered us up, God, through Christ who suffered to the end. For the joy that was set before him. And persevered that we might become sons. That we too will be able to persevere in this life. That we don't give up. That we keep running that race to the end. We need you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you that you have given us great hope. We ask that you continue to massage these truths deep into our hearts and in our minds and that the Spirit of God will, will go to work in today and in these days to come. We love you. For your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Veritas Church located in Magnolia, Texas. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Veritas Church, please visit veritasdisciple.org.